Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian nutritionist. On our episode today, I wanted to talk about sugar because I feel like sugar is something that is so out there in the media and it's so extreme of avoiding sugar and doing all of these things about sugar. And I, one of the goals of this podcast is to be able to provide information to you so that you can become empowered to take action based on what you feel like your body and your family history and just your overall health needs. And some of the ways I want to do that is to be able to start where you are right now so that you can decide what's best for you, but not feeling like you have to, you know, be so extreme. And so we're going to talk about that that today in ways to moderate your sugar intake, but we're also going to talk about the different kinds of sugar, the health effects of sugar, and we're going to talk about how you can find sugar and just different things like that so that you can really have some knowledge of what you're taking in in terms of your food and then deciding what amount and what what that looks like in terms of food looks like to you. So we're going to let's start talking about sugar, okay? So what is sugar and what does it do? So sugar, we're going to talk about it right now in two different ways. We're going to talk about it in terms of naturally occurring sugar and added sugar. Okay. So naturally occurring sugar tends to be things that are naturally occurring in the environment. So there's going to be sugar in your milk products. There's going to be sugar in fruit. There's going to be sugar in your, in your like whole wheat and just your bread products um, and your whole grains typically. And if you're a diabetic or you're pre-diabetic and you're watching your carb content, you're going to probably have a pretty good understanding of what sugar and naturally occurring sugar is. I think there's a mis- a misnomer a lot of times when people are first diagnosed with diabetes that they have to avoid all sugar. But the naturally occurring um, sugar or carbohydrates are different. We want you to have them because we know that, you know, when you're looking at um, the recommendations for just what things to eat, you want to have your fruits and veggies. You want to have your, some low fat, you know, milk products, and you want to have those whole grains because these are the things that are going to be um shown to decrease your chronic disease risk. So these sugars are not the same as added sugars. So what happens when you eat these naturally occurring um, sugars? So when you eat the food, so say you're eating like a whole grain bread or some fruit or or some kind of dairy product, well, your body's going to break these down and this sugar and it's going to go into all the cells that need it to function and it ends up coming into it ends up being called glucose because glucose is your body's preferred source of fuel and your body needs that fuel from glucose to get into all the cells where it needs to function so your body needs glucose in order for it to function for all its cells, especially brain health. You need so many grams of um, glucose a day in order to preserve brain health, right? So what happens is, is when you don't, when your body uses what it needs, the rest of it gets stored in your liver and in your, and in your muscles. So it gets stored in your muscles for a really easy way to activate when it needs um, energy. So 
that will be usually in the source of like, I don't think short term most people need it. It's usually like if you're doing like endurance training or something like that, where you're doing, you're using all of your glucose stores and you need, um, you need to be able to tap into it quickly. And so that's usually in your, in your muscle, that's where you get it from. And then all the rest is stored in your liver. And we're going to talk about that in just a second with that, what that does. Um, and so again, remembering that these naturally occurring foods, they're going to have things in it that actually help your body like fiber and calcium and vitamins and minerals. And that's what it's basically going to give you. And your body needs these things to help prevent, um, chronic diseases. Right. And so these things are beneficial. Now, the difference is, is that we have something called added sugar. And this is where I think I think they get lumped together, but this is really the, the more like negative impact of sugar. So added sugar is the problem essentially, because added sugar is hidden in everything. It's in everything. It's added to help preserve shelf life of foods and enhance flavor. It's going to be in most cookies or cakes or soda or canned fruit or breakfast cereals or energy drinks. It's in everything. And so the difference between your naturally occurring sugar and your added sugar is that added sugar doesn't have that, that, that nutrient value in it. It doesn't have the vitamins, minerals, and fiber in it. It really just has the calories in it. And so it's remember when you're eating sugar, so that if you're having the naturally added sugar, it's going to break down and get into your cells the same way, but it's going to just over time, keep adding whatever you don't need is going to be stored in your liver, right? So what happens is, is that with added sugar, you have, again, these are your simple sugars. So these are going to be your cakes and your cookies and your soft drinks, and your body's going to use it to fuel the cells, but it, it doesn't have the extra vitamins and minerals or nutrients to go into it that go into it. So First, you may notice that if you're eating these things, if you eat too much, you're going to have like a crash in your blood sugar, right? That's going to be the first thing because it doesn't have that fiber to help you. And then whatever it doesn't use, it's going to store in your liver and your muscles. But what we know is that when it's stored in your liver over time, the more sugar um, or really the more fat that you have all around your liver, because you're just having all this intake of simple sugars, which is going to just store later in the terms of fat in your liver, that there is something called, um, NASH. I don't know if anybody has heard of it. So it's basically non-alcoholic, um, hepatitis. And it's basically like this excessive calorie intake that is causing this fat intake that is leading to essentially it's called a fatty liver and that's why so it's not the sugar itself it's going to be the ex the excessive calorie intake but a lot of times i think it ends up being in the form of added sugars if that makes sense so remembering that added sugars isn't going to have any nutrition value it's just going to be extra calories extra storage that's going to go into your liver and remembering that all of these added sugars also act as a reward, I think, for a lot of times, and it ends up making us feeling like we want more and more sugar. And I'm going to talk about that too, because I'm going to talk a tiny bit about like what's out there in terms of the literature with um, sugar as an addiction. So what are the health effects of eating too much sugar? 
But let's really talk about it in the form of eating too much added sugar, because we know that the naturally occurring sugars are going to have some kind of um, preventative effect. So really, when we're talking about sugar, we're talking about this added sugar. So we know that added sugar has been linked to prediabetes and diabetes. And why that is, is because when you're constantly having these added sugars, you're in this state of a sugar overload and your body is constantly producing insulin. So insulin is made in your pancreas and because you're making your pancreas work so hard producing all this insulin, your pancreas gets worn out or it doesn't work as efficiently over time. And then that can lead to prediabetes and diabetes. And also you're just having the sugar that's kind of sitting in your bloodstream. It's not really going anywhere if you aren't able to get the insulin where it needs to go. We know that it is associated with cardiovascular disease. So this is also known as heart disease. And there is a lot of literature that supports that there is an increased mortality risk in individuals who have the highest amount of sugar, added sugar intake. There is added sugar intake increases blood pressure. So if you're somebody who already has high blood pressure, the more of the added sugars that you're eating from processed foods will then increase your blood sugar even further. Um, we know that increased added sugar also causes fatty liver, like we just talked about, because that excess sugar gets converted into fat and that fat accumulates around your liver, also known as fatty liver. We know that these added sugars increase inflammation. So if you are somebody who already worries about inflammation um, or has a history of any inflammatory diseases, you know, you want to be cognizant of that, of kind of what you're eating to help impact that inflammation and help decrease inflammation. We know that added sugars lead to weight gain, and that's probably very likely related to the increase in overall calories. So remember, we just talked about the added sugar, that it doesn't really have any nutritional value besides the extra calories. So the more of the added sugars you're consuming, you probably are getting added calories as well. And then another thing I don't think anybody talks about is tooth decay. So we know that when you have all that added sugar, it breaks down um, some of the stuff in your teeth. And so for a lot of people, they end up getting tooth, tooth decay. Um, and your teeth are important, especially when it comes to your health. So that's something that I don't think, you know, that people talk about as much, but that is also something. So how much sugar in general is recommended in terms of your daily intake. So here in the States, we have, we have, you know, different, uh, there's going to be different guidelines according to, I don't know, each health organization. So in the States, we have the, the dietary guidelines for Americans. And that basically says in that guideline that adults should get no more than 10% of their, their daily calories from sugar. So what that looks like is about 12 teaspoons of sugar, no more than that in a day. How many teaspoons of sugar, if 12 is based on a two, you know, 2000 calorie diet, how many teaspoons do you think most Americans are consuming? 
Well, they think the average is about 22 teaspoons of sugar every day. So as you can see, that increase in the sugar that you're consuming, 22 teaspoons, is then going to increase your risk of what we just talked about, diabetes risk, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, fatty liver, inflammation, weight gain. So 22 is huge, right? The World Health Organization says that they don't want you to get more than... Um, you know, more than 5% of your daily intake. So they don't want you to have more than 25 grams. And I'm going to kind of talk about it because this probably means nothing to you, right? When I started reading these, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what grams means. And I'm trying to like figure out like the percent of what I eat. So I'm going to make it really easy for you, but I just want to go through one more thing. So then the American Heart Association recommends that women probably because we're smaller in size and our body composition is different, that women need to consume no more than six teaspoons of sugar a day and men can have up to nine teaspoons a day. And so there's all these guidelines, they're all over the place, but the more important thing to know in all of this is that the average American is consuming 22 teaspoons of sugar per day. And if you're a woman, the recommendation is about six teaspoons of sugar a day. So you can see that there's room for improvement in that. And that's why I wanted to talk about this topic. So how do you even know what you're consuming in terms of sugar, right? Like now that you're like, oh, sugar, added sugar is probably not that great for me. What do you do? Like, how do you change it? Where do you find any of the information that you're consuming? Well, you would look on your food label. I'm assuming most countries have um, a nutrition facts label on their food content like we do in the States. So it, you're going to be looking at your food label. You're basically going to look at the nutrition facts of a nutrition label and you're going to look at the ingredients. When you're looking at your nutrition facts, you're going to go down and look under your total carbohydrate amount. And under your total carbohydrate amount, you're going to see your carbohydrate number, and then you're going to see something like your fiber content. And then underneath that, you're going to see your added sugar. So if it's something, if it's a product that you're consuming that has like fiber in it, and it has a lot of fiber in it, say you're having something that's like four or five grams of fiber, well, I think that's probably okay. Your sugar content might be a little bit less. So you're, you're, so my main point in this is that if you're having something that's a higher fiber content, I would say that's probably an okay food because you have that fiber content in it to help with any of the effects. You're having other things as part of that added sugar. You're not just having sugar. You're having fiber. You're probably getting different things in there that's going to help you and benefit you. So what I would say is look at your total carbohydrate amount and then go down and you're going to have just, you're going to have like a like a sugar content somewhere in there, and it's going to be in grams, right? So it gets confusing because a lot of times it's like how many teaspoons you can have in a day, but nobody even knows what that means. At least I didn't know, so, but maybe you're more educated than me. I don't know. So typically when you're looking at a nutrition label, you're going to see your sugar content in grams, right? So four grams of sugar is one teaspoon of sugar. So four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. Okay. So for instance, if you are looking at a soda, that's going to, or a, a food that's going to have a lot of added sugar, I'm going to, my example I'm going to use here is a 12 ounce can of soda. So a 12 ounce 
can of soda has a lot of sugar in it. It has, if you look at the content on the label, let's say it has 40 grams of sugar. Well, that's equal to 10 teaspoons of sugar, right? Because four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. So that for that day, you're getting 10 teaspoons of sugar. As a woman, you probably only want to have six teaspoons of sugar as per the recommendations. If you're having a chocolate bar, that can have anywhere from four to eight teaspoons of sugar. So you're going, you know, it's really just going to depend on the grams of sugar that is in that chocolate bar. Does that make sense? So it gets confusing and I'm going to try to really make it easier for you as we move forward. But the main thing that I want you to realize here is that you're going to see, you're going to look for it on the label or in the ingredient list. And you're also going to see if there's fiber in that particular food. And then you're going to go down to the sugar part and you're going to see if there's any, how many grams of sugar in there. And just remember that four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. And for women, the recommendation is six teaspoons of sugar per day, okay? So when we're talking about looking at the nutrition label and we're talking about the food list or I'm telling you to look at the ingredients, this idea of added sugar, it's so confusing because there's so many names for added sugar. I think the one that gets the most notoriety is high fructose corn syrup, but I I think that's not as much on the market, so it can be very deceiving. So corn syrup is something that I'm going to go through a list of all different um, ingredients that are considered added sugars. You have corn syrup, you have agave nectar, you have beet sugar, cane sugar, brown sugar, corn, um, any of like the corn sweeteners, molasses, um, Syrup is considered um, an added sugar. And then anything that you see that ends in ose. So dextrose, fructose, glucose, lactose, maltose, sucrose. They're all sugar molecules if they end in the ose. Okay, so typically, um, you know, that's why high fructose corn syrup, you have the ose in there. In your, um, I feel like in a lot of your foods, you'll have like either like a cane sugar or a dextrose. So you might be able to know when you see that, that that's an added sugar. And so again, when you're, when you're looking at this, you want to remember that not all sugar is created equal, that your naturally occurring um, foods are also going to have sugar, but they're not going to have the added sugar. So where are you going to find the added sugar? Where are you going to find some of these ingredients? Well, I think there was a, somebody did something from Harvard Health, and I'll put that link in the, um, in the show notes, that the top, um, the top few sugar-containing products with added sugar tended to be sodas. Remember, we just talked about that one can of soda, a 12-ounce can can be, this is regular soda, by the way, not um, diet soda, regular soda, and it can be up to 10 teaspoons of sugar per day per one can. So looking at portion size is important too, because if you are drinking like a 20 ounce, that's probably, that's going to be two portion sizes, um, or 24 ounce is going to be two portion sizes. And it's not going to be, most people aren't drinking soda from a can. I think they're drinking it from a bottle or, um, a two liter container. So it's really important to look at the portion sizes too. So soda tends to be the biggest, um, sugar container, um, sugar Soda tends to be the the primary product that has the most added sugar. 
And remember, we did a 12-ounce can of soda was equal to 10 teaspoons of sugar. Surprisingly, sports drinks also were linked to having high added sugar under soda. But I want to do a caveat here that with sports drinks, I think a lot of people drink sports drinks that probably don't really need to drink sports drinks. So the whole idea of having sports drinks is to replace those lost carbohydrates that are lost during exercise. And it tends to be really strenuous exercise or if you're exercising outside and it's really hot. So that's the goal of a sports drink. It's going to try to rehydrate you and to replace any of that, um, any of that, any of that like glucose that your body needs. It's trying to remember it's taken it now. It's used all of your energy stores because you've done this strenuous physical activity it's taken this out of your muscles and you need now like a very quick burst of um, energy in the form of glucose. So that's where sports drinks comes in handy. I think for the average person who's probably working out like less than an hour a day, you probably don't need a sports drink. You probably can just drink water and that will probably be enough to replenish your stores. Of course, it varies according to individual. It varies according to what exercise you're doing in the strenuous you know, the, the activity level and how strenuous it is and how hot it is. But just that as a caveat, um, the next most consumed added sugar products are desserts. So that's in the form of probably like any baked goods, like your cookies, your cakes, your donuts, um, and then fruit drinks. It's so interesting with fruit drinks. Cause I, I meet people who avoid fruit drinks at all costs. And then I meet people who, um, drink sports or fruit drinks as a way to be healthy, but I want you to know that fruit drinks in general is not going to add any nutritional value to what it is um, that you think you're getting from it. The fruit is always going to be better than a fruit drink because the fruit drink is just basically sugar as opposed to a fruit that's going to have a naturally occurring um, sugar, and it's also going to have fibers and vitamins and minerals in it. So when it comes to fruit, the fruit itself is always much more preferred than the actual fruit drink, which is just going to be like a sugar filled product. And that's going to be like your cranberry juices, your apple juice, your grape juice, those kinds of things. So now that we've talked about sugar, how it acts in the body, we've talked about, um, you know, where you can look and find sugar and what sugar is known as, you know, your corn syrups, your beet sugars, your cane sugars, your molasses, your, your corn sweeteners, your syrups. Let's talk quickly about sugar addiction and this idea of sugar addiction. And I wanted to really figure out if it was something that's real. Sugar addiction is something that I've been hearing about for years. And I actually never really gave it that much thought, to be honest with you, because I feel like a lot of times what happens with nutrition is that people and what they feel are much more ahead than the actual research. So much research and nutrition is typically studied in in animals first and not people, of course, right? So I feel like a lot of times with sugar, you'll hear people like, I'm detoxing from sugar and I'm doing this. So I think the, the, the reason why is that, you know, I think people in general are able to kind of become a little bit more in tune of what's going on in their body and what happens when they eat certain foods. And the literature sometimes just takes a while to catch up with it. 
So nutrition research doesn't always keep up with what people think, and it's always changing. And that's the thing with nutrition research, and I think that's what kind of aids um, in some of this, this misconceptions and this misinformation out there is it's always changing, and people are really interested in it. Um, but there is more research to support this idea that sugar addiction, that sugar has some components of addiction um, present in it. And I'm sure if you're somebody who has a lot of sugar cravings, that's probably not something that's really profound to you. You probably already know that. So there's a lot of animal research that supports this idea that sugar has addictive qualities. Um, we, there was a study out of, I think, Mount Sinai in um, New York that has some research with this, but I think it's kind of in lots of different places. I think it's actually throughout the world. I found studies in France and just everywhere. Um, but they, what, what they're seeing is, is that in, um, in animals, sugar releases a dopamine response, so like that feel-good response. And they see that there's actually neurochemical changes in the brain um, that kind of acts like an addictive mechanism or looks like addiction when they're studying the brain. And they think that, you know, that that's the effect with sugar, that sugar releases this dopamine response, that people feel good, that they want to eat more because they feel good. So the more you eat, the more that you want. And they're also seeing that in the normal neurochemical changes that are seen with sugar. But I think most people probably you know, if you're somebody who consumes sugar, you probably already know that because how you'll notice it is that you may notice that, um, the more you eat, the more you crave. I know that I get like that. Like if I'm eating chocolate chip cookies, I notice that I don't really want to eat. There's a change in my taste buds that all I want to do is eat chocolate chip cookies. And I don't really care if I'm eating anything else except chocolate chip cookies. So you may notice that same thing in, in yourself too. So there's more, like it doesn't have, um, you know, I think a lot of the the mental health stuff has like that DS, um, the DSM, the DSM five, which is usually like your statistical manual of mental disorders. And sugar addiction is not a diagnosable disorder, but there definitely has been some link in similarities um, between sugar and other addictive substances. But it sounds like that there's still some research that needs to be supported in that. Um, in that arena, but I think probably most people eat sugar and probably feel the same way as I do, that when you eat a lot of it, you probably are craving more of it, and you may have noticed that. So what's the bottom line? That's what you really wanna know, right? So the bottom line is that there is a difference between naturally occurring sugars and added sugars, and that's the important thing. And that sugar is in everything, the added sugar is in everything. So. I would say to you that we know that these naturally occurring sugars, such as whole grains, fruits, veggies, low fat milk and dairy products are important. And we know that they're a foundation for a decrease in chronic diseases. So I would say to you that I would consume those foods. We know that these foods help your metabolism. They know We know that there's just these added benefits that are part of consuming these foods. Um, I can I consume these foods. I will eat sugar containing these foods. So I think what the more important thing is to know is that these foods are okay to consume. These naturally occurring sugar foods are okay. But I would say that I want you to start to have an idea of what you're doing in terms of what you're choosing to consume in your added sugars. Because this is where you're really going to make, I think, a pretty big difference. 
So one of the easiest things to do is to start checking what you eat, checking your food labels and looking at the ingredient list. And if you're eating something that's processed, you're, it's probably going to be full of added sugar. So one of the ways that you can decrease your overall sugar intake is not to take out the things that are going to give you the vitamins and minerals and things that your body needs, but take out the stuff that really isn't providing any nutritional content or any value to what you're consuming. It's not going to add anything to your body, essentially. It's not really helping your body in any way. And so that's your added sugar. So start looking at your food labels and start looking at your ingredient list. Um, hidden sources of added sugar are going to be, in, it's going to be in everything, but what you may be surprised to hear is that in addition to the sodas and the things that probably weren't so surprising to you is it's in granola bars. It's going to be in protein bars. It's going to be in your dried fruit because that's how they preserve it. It's going to be in your drinks that you love in the morning, like your teas and your coffees. It's going to be in the syrups that you add to give those teas and coffees flavor. It's going to be added to any alcohol products that you're consuming and then also any low fat products. So a lot of times people will be like, oh, this is low in fat and let me consume that. But how they make that product low in fat is that they decrease the fat by adding more sugar. So it's just important for you to really check out um, your ingredient list because also it's going to vary according to manufacturer. So there's a lot of ingredients. I feel like the added sugar is kind of like looking for salt, like it's in everything because it's used to preserve, you know, different foods and add um, flavor, but then also it's in everything. And so it will probably um, vary according to manufacturer. So the only way to know for sure if it's in what you're consuming is to actually look at the content and the ingredient list of the foods that you consume. And then what I would say is to try to make some small swaps, right? So if you're somebody who likes regular soda, you know, maybe try to try to decrease the amount that you're consuming and start to drink sparkling water. Or maybe for somebody who likes fruit juice, that you trade that fruit juice for fresh fruit. Like all of this is about moderating what works for you. Again, we know that the, the diseases that are linked with an increased intake of added sugar, if you're somebody who has diabetes or you're trying to control your, um, your hemoglobin A1C because maybe you're pre-diabetic, you know, maybe for you, you just start to figure out what can you do today? What small change can you make today that can help decrease that content? Because I think what happens with sugar is that the less you use, the less you need. And there is this like, I mean, I think there is a real thing about retraining your taste buds because you've all probably done it, right? That maybe you start to use a little bit less sugar in your morning coffee or your morning beverage. And then over time, you know, you probably don't need as much, or maybe you, you know, you cut down on the amount that you're consuming. So instead of having like three cups of coffee with sugar and milk, you have two cups. So you're still doing something that's positive. That's going to decrease the amount of sugar that you're consuming, the added sugar that you're consuming. So for me, uh, so again, we're trying to make this, that it fits your life, that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing unless you want it to be an all or nothing, for sure, you can do that too. It's your choice. It's your body. It's you're doing what works for you. So for me, I, I consume yogurt. I consume milk products. I consume full fat. I consume low fat. Um, I love the Icelandic yogurt. Um, 
I love regular milk. I don't always, I don't do any of the nut milks. My son had nut allergies for a really long time, so it's not something that we have in our house. Um, but I love this Icelandic yogurt. And the reason I love it is that it's chock full of protein. It has about 15 grams of protein. It helps me meet my protein needs. It has calcium. It has vitamin D. has a probiotic. When I started doing this, researching for this for this episode, I looked into it and it has two teaspoons of sugar. It has eight grams. So that's two teaspoons of sugar, right? So I knew as a woman I could have the recommendation is to have up to six teaspoons of sugar. Well, I'm going to be thinking about that, but that's not something that I'm willing to give up because I like it. It's giving me the nutrition that I need. I'm worried about calcium and vitamin D because I'm postmenopausal. I have a hip fracture that I'm still dealing with. I would rather get my calcium from food um, because calcium supplements, we know that If you take too much of it, it can have a negative effect. So I like to get my calcium from food sources in particular. So maybe you're someone like that too. Now I could probably get an unflavored yogurt and it won't have the cane sugar in it. So when I look at the ingredients, it has cane sugar and because it's this vanilla flavor that I like, right? I probably could get unflavored, but I don't want to. I like the vanilla flavor. So for me, I'm just knowing that's what it's coming with. And if I want to, at some point in time, do unflavored um, unflavored yogurt, then that would be something that I can consider. Another thing that I like to consume is this matcha, um, matcha green latte. And I love it. I consume it every day, but that's not going to have the same benefit to me as the Icelandic yogurt. It doesn't really have that benefit of protein or calcium or vitamin D. It has none of that. I like it because it has that matcha content in it, which may be helpful for me. I don't really know, but there is um, benefits in matcha and the matcha green tea in general, but it has sugar in it and it's made from cane sugar. So that's an extra two teaspoons of added sugar, right? And that's probably not, maybe there's a benefit there for me with the nut matcha, but I'm not really sure. So what I'll do is I consume that. I want to consume that, but I've decreased the amount that I consume to to try to decrease the amount of sugar that I'm consuming. So does that make sense for you? I'm trying to show you like some ways that you can still do the naturally occurring ones and then the ones that are added sugar that you don't feel like that you have to totally eliminate and that you can just really try to make small swaps so that over time you get to a place that you feel like you're able to have a little bit more moderation and a little bit more balance than you do now because that's the goal of this, right? So I hope that helps you. Um, I want to also talk about in the next couple of weeks, sugar alcohols. So that's like your Splendas and things like that, because I think that's something that probably that, that gets all crazy too. So I want to just, I'm going to talk about that too. Um, and I may actually even talk about how to retrain your taste buds. If that's a topic that you guys are interested in, just kind of let me know. You can shoot me an email at info at So I thank you guys for listening today. I hope that clears up some, some information, or I hope you feel a little bit more empowered with some of the choices that you can make and that you feel comfortable with some of the choices that you're making. Um, and to give you permission to eat any of the naturally occurring uh, foods that have sugar in them as I too consume them. Um, Again, everything in moderation and everything is just taking it one step at a time. It's not about being perfect. It's just about, you know, feeling empowered to take action. So I'll see you guys back here next week. And I thank you so much for listening. Have a good week.